Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and uh, Matt, unfortunately, is not going to be joining us today. Uh, Matt, our very, very colorful co-host, uh, has decided to uh, lead the show uh, as of this moment, but he, he should be back again very soon. Uh, back on the air after a, couple, after a couple weeks of being off the air, got a lot to talk about. You know, first of all, the Mariners have their last game of the season today. And part of me dies today. It sucks, because after today, we have no more Mariners baseball. But we do have playoff baseball, and, you know, even though that you are, if if you're a Mariners fan, it doesn't matter who you're a fan of, even if your team is not in the uh, postseason, you can still, you you can't go wrong with postseason baseball. There's there's nothing even better, there's nothing better than, in my opinion, than just postseason baseball, because, uh, unlike uh, other sports, you know, with the, uh, postseason baseball, it takes you know, you know, five to seven games to decide a winner of each series. And uh, we're going to be joined by a very special guest here in a couple minutes. Former white, former University of Washington wide receiver Devin Aguilar will be joining us and to talk to talk about what he's been up to, you know, since he has graduated from the University of Washington and since he has. Uh, and what he's been up to uh, past that. Uh, other news in today, uh, Seahawks going to be kicking off a Sunday night football game against the Colts. And uh, first of all, let's just hope that, hope to, to God in heaven that we just do not embarrass ourselves tonight uh, because uh, I don't know about you, but the Seahawks this year do not look like the Super Bowl contenders that we thought they were. And so far, the season has not been up to, you know, the standards. But uh, also, another thing, the big thing of why the show had to go on hiatus for a bit was due to the, uh, due to due to so much, so much controversy that has been going on. Uh, we we have we we cannot seem to really talk about some issues 
where other people would get offended or, you know, would actually give their intake in a very negative way. So we want to, so we're going to avoid everything about that. We are avoiding everything, but here on Seattle Sports Podcast, I would like to say this, that um, I support our NFL players, especially our Seahawks, in anything that they do during the National Anthem, and I will say this and end it right here, but, you know, people who say that, you know, even though I don't agree with, uh, you know, the players not standing or sitting or kneeling during the National Anthem, it's their right, and I've come to, fu- and I've come to the conclusion and realized this, is that it is their right, they can do what they want as, as Americans, and I appreciate what they do. And so, uh, also the Huskies, you know, they just got done, you know, putting a big old hurting on uh, Oregon State's and D- Dante Pettis, the goat. I'm going to say that the goat, just <laughs> 12 receptions, 103 yards for three touchdowns. Man, oh man, that kid is just unbelievable. But uh, before we get to that, let's go ahead and welcome in our very special guest, joining us all the way from Colorado is former wide receiver from the University of Washington, Devin Aguilar. Devin, how's it going, my man? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, first off, uh, I think our I think our listeners would like to know what has Devin Aguilar been up to since he since he uh, left to go pursue his NFL career. Uh, I've been up to a lot. I've been up to a lot. Uh, you know, shortly after, you know, the University of Washington graduated there, you know, I had my short bid with the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, uh, over the past couple of years, uh, uh, I've been developing my mentorship program and my uh, sports performance uh, program uh, called DA Sports. Um, it's, been a, it's been a long ride, but uh, that's what I got going uh, now in uh, training training pro athletes, the collegiate athletes, to even giving back to the kids has uh, been my purpose, uh, hopefully after leaving uh, University of Washington. That's awesome, man. Uh, if you guys do not follow Devin Aguilar, you can go ahead and follow him on uh, Twitter at daguilar underscore nine. And uh, you can also follow him on Instagram, where which he does post a lot of his uh, workout videos on there. Uh, Devin, uh, Devin, I have. Hang on a second. Let me look it up real quick. <laughs> Had it with me. Uh, yeah, you can follow him on Instagram at da sports underscore, and also you can follow him also on Snapchat at Devin uh, uh, slash Aguilar as well. And Devin, you know, let's go ahead and get into your former, you know, collegiate team. And first of all, the Huskies got robbed. They should be they should be the top five after that after that performance yesterday, and of course USC getting beat by the Cougars. Oh yes, yes. Uh, you dub, you know it's all politics. It's all politics, or or SEC, Pac twelve, Pac twelve, uh, Big twelve. Uh, you know they never want to give us that top five because they talk about the competition. But uh, uh, seeing the Huskies uh, grow uh, strategically. You know, being able to utilize all their players and, and see see players that have found their foundation and they're growing, like you were speaking of Dante Pettis, uh, uh, just just finding their niche and the coaches being able to 
uh, utilize all the players and not limit them. Uh, uh, we're still we're 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 growing we're a growing a growing team and I feel like we deserve that top five but I, I'm not really I'm not really into the numbers or the rankings I just I just keep letting the play do the talk. <laughs> that is true and you know speaking of Dante Pettis I just mentioned the goat of punt returns mm. in in college football. Uh, he break, First off, he breaks Deshaun Jackson's Pac-12 record for the most punt returns. Then he break, Then he ties the NCAA record. And now, I mean, I, I want your take on Dante Pettis. I mean, first of all, I mean, your thoughts on him, but do you think he is going to break the NCAA record for the most punts uh, returns for touchdowns? Yeah, I, I hope he do. I hope he, I hope he does. Oh man, seeing him grow also, getting faster, becoming smarter, and getting so comfortable back there catching those punts—you know—that's a that's a tough job, you know. Uh, having everyone in front of you have to uh, uh, do their jobs, and then you 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 perform yours and and finesse. And he's getting so comfortable with it, and it's bringing more, you know. It's bringing a lot of. It's just, it's, it's actually it's it's actually bringing the special teams out to be even better special teams. Just because of him, you know, they're utilizing his job. But to see him do his do his work on the field, and oh uh, man, it, it's bringing a more notoriety to 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 the Utah program. And uh, I, I couldn't be more happy for him. I hope he does break his record. I hope he, because right now he is a goat, and I I believe that. Uh, but he got a lot a lot a lot more games left on left left over. So I want I want to see what he's gonna do. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I I think everybody would would just love to 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 watch him break that record because I mean, it's it, it's something it's I mean it's something that a lot of people don't under don't really uh, don't really see that often. It's something that you know a lot of people uh, would love to see because first of all, I mean, <clears throat> I think uh, who is it? Danny Amendola holds the record. I think. And and I and I can speak for most Seahawks fans. I think I think we would love to see Dante Pettis break Danny Amendola's record because Amendola is a Patriot. Uh, but uh, getting back to you, man. I mean, during your collegiate career, you played with some of the some of the greats at Washington. You played with uh, Chris Polk, who was who was one of the best running backs we've ever seen. We, you, you played with. Uh, uh, you know Desmond Trufant, who went to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, you played with Jake Locker, who was one, again one of the one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever come to the University of Washington. You played you played with you played with two time NFC champion and Super Bowl champion Jermaine Curse. I want to know what that was like for you, Devin. I want to know what it was like to play with Jermaine Curse for the years that you were at the University of Washington and. You know, to watch him and his career, and just watch him win a Super Bowl as well. Oh man, Jermaine's my guy. We're still in contact. We're still, we're still close, man. And uh, congrats on his his baby being born. Um, blessings his way. Man, Jermaine's my guy. See him, uh, to see him progress in the league uh, from where we was at in the McMahon dorms and on the practice field and. Just to seeing his knowledge raised, man, it's been great. You know, I've hopefully been living through him as he's been on his journey. And the other other greats that I've played with, uh, Desmond Trufant, uh, Jake, 
uh, my guy Keith. I can't forget my man Keith Price. Man. I love Chris. I just talked to Chris Post the other day. Uh, he's doing well also, man, one of the best running backs, most powerful running backs I've been around. I know I'm forgetting a few, but, you know, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Jermaine on that other side, man. We did we did some dirt when we was out there. Uh, we accomplished a lot, and to see him doing what he's doing now and, and transitioning to the Jets after leaving the Seahawks, still doing his thing, you know. He's playing the game out of love, and uh, I'm knowing him from, you know, freshman year till now. Uh, so almost will go on 10 years, it feels like. You know, it's been a blessing to watch him, him play, and like I said, I lived through him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another really ama- – possibly one of the – I'm going to say this. He's one of the more underrated linebackers in the NFL, in my opinion, because of just how – of how forceful he plays. I've seen his videos, but you played also with Mason Foster. Who, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mason Foster. I don't I don't think anybody forgets his name. It doesn't matter of how long you've been a Husky fan. Mason Foster was a freaking beast. And, again, I think he's one of the more underrated linebackers in the NFL. To me, the the way he plays it it really does remind me of Bobby Wagner the way the way that he tackles the way that he just plays with with such passion i mean i mean what's your thoughts on mason i mean and you and also i'd love to know what it was like to to watch him play you know day in and day out on the field while you guys were playing at university of washington as well uh mason mason uh my first roommate coming into college summer summer program uh Mason just has a knack for the game. He he doesn't play to be liked. And watching him, watching him play through all you dub, I would say he's the best uh, linebacker that's that's ever been there. You got your other greats. Uh, you got you know Donald Butler was there. You got Shaq Thompson. But Mason, I think he still holds the record for for the most tackles in a season there. You know, especially his junior year when he made a big name for himself. And uh, seeing him now uh, from Tampa Bay to to the Redskins, yes, he he's underrated. He, he you know that 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 comes with the territory politics, but he's still going. He still has that knack, and you know he's living through his kids right now and and grinding for them. But playing next to him, man, he, that's the person that gives you energy all day long. Not not just energy on the field, but you know he he has he's knowledgeable of the game, and and that's why he plays better than than a lot of people, but. They need to give my guy some more respect, man, because he's still out there doing it. He's there in the trenches, too. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you, man. They need to give him a little bit more respect. Um, following your career through Washington, man, uh, uh, what, uh, your first season was in 2009. Is that correct? Uh, yes, uh, 2008, I believe. Oh, 2008? In a, oh. In a, in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, you've, during your career, you guys went to three bowl games. Uh, the first bowl game you went to, you went to the holiday bowl, won it against Nebraska. And then the following year was just one of the more impressive. I I would like to say this. It was a shame that we did. You guys did lose this game, but I mean, there was just no defense in this game, but the 2000 and, 11 Alamo Bowl where you guys went against Baylor and RG3 and the final score was 67 to 56. I mean, Devin, I want 
I th- I've, I've never once have asked somebody on, who who played in that game who would give me who would just you know give a great uh, I want uh, their opinion on that game. But I mean, your take on playing that wild game? I mean, it was it was back and forth between you guys. Yeah, it was it was back and forth. That's 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 that was the point of emphasis the whole game. I was like, we score, they score, we score, they score. Uh, return. Uh, just kept going back and forth, and uh, I felt like it wasn't gonna stop. And just to see the numbers raise up, I think the that sixty-seven to fifty-seven score was uh, a ball record for a while. I think it was broke, but and it was a lot being in that Alamo Dome. It was a lot of it was a it was a it was, it was a sight to see, and and it was a lot of energy flowing. Uh, it was one of my best games I would have to finish off my season. I would say I had, uh, I think I had like two, had two touchdowns. I even jumped over someone in the uh, in the end zone, and I went to see my mom in the stands. Gave my shout out. They came to see me down from Denver, but uh, that was that was a great game. It really was. Yeah, that was a great game. It was a fantastic game. I mean, you could, uh, you know, Keith Price was, you know, your quarterback at the time, and you know, looking at the 2011 uh, Husky roster, man, you had. You had a lot of big ballers on there. You had Bishop Sankey. You had Keith Price. You had Kason Williams. You had some bruisers also on the defense. Uh, you know, you, have, you had Shaq Thompson uh, playing there. You still had Desmond Trufant before he went to the NFL. But, I mean, you guys, I think that that 2010, you guys really, really secured you know, the rebirth of Husky football because of that bowl win against Nebraska. And uh, – go ahead. No, no, that that bowl bowl game and that that rebirth of that season when Sark actually came in and uh, everyone was transitioning. And for us to, to, you know, get that bowl game, it it gave us a lot of momentum and energy going into the offseason and training, knowing that, you know, we could pursue more from the the next season into 2011. So, uh, yeah, that Nebraska game, especially because earlier in the season what they had did to us, <laughs> uh, we couldn't we couldn't let them win that bowl game uh, at all. <laughs> no, nah, man, I mean, I, f- I feel you on that one. I was, I remember that game. It was a it was a uh, a tough a tough game. Uh, following the 2012 season, you know this, you know the Huskies go back to the Fight Hunger Bowl, dominate BYU. And you know, since uh, since then, it's been you know really really a, a handful of success of successions. Uh, there's been one bowl game after another. You know, the following season, Chris Peterson comes in, and you know we then the you know it's it's just been it's just been it seems like UW is back where it was uh, during the early '90s uh, when guys like Mario Bailey played and. Where it, every year we're thinking, every year now the fans are thinking, you know, uh, Rose Bowl or you know even even the pack or even the uh, even the uh, college football playoffs now. I mean, we, we last year was it was a little bit of a letdown, you know, against Alabama, but you know there was some positives to take away from that game. I mean, we only we held Alabama to twenty four points. I mean, what what Pac twelve team can say that they held the number one offense? In the entire country, to only 24 points—that's pretty impressive. 
Uh, no, it's impressive, but I, I felt like we could have did that. You know, it's more or less the politics and hype on, on the offense and whatnot. I would say you does as one of the best offense there is. And, you know, just like you were saying, uh, from uh, the succession that, that the, the program has carried over the past year, I believe, like, every every team, you know, has their errors. Just like you said back in the 90s, Mario Bailey, Suyasu Sopo, you know, winning national championships. Everyone has their ups and downs, and I feel like our error is coming back. We're going to start hitting bowl game after bowl game. And and leading off from the Alabama game last year, uh, I've I still seen a lot. Uh, I've seen a lot of will. I've seen a lot that we did. I, I, I believe that that game was just up for grabs. Uh, I believe we didn't know what was going to happen from either party. That's why it, it, it didn't seem like an exciting game. Um, I, I felt like it was evenly matched, but since it, it since it felt evenly matched, I know that gave us even more momentum going into this season to, to, to go against one of the top-ranked teams in the nation year after year, even though I still feel like that's just all politics. You know, down south is a religion when it comes to football, but I'm, I'm, I'm Pac-12, UWI all the way. Yeah, there you go, man. I appreciate that. That's, that's always awesome to hear, uh, you know, you talk about the politics going into this, going into the game, and also the rankings. And you know, you got you you make a real fair point. I mean, it seems like because people say that we don't play opponents, and you know, here here we're saying, you know, if if you guys don't think we play opponents, give us a tougher schedule. You know, watch us play, watch us play teams you know, in the top ten and watch us dominate them. I mean this this upcoming USC game though for the for the Huskies, I'm a little excited to see what they do there because, you know, Wazoo, their defense their defense was stacked. And you know, there's I'm actually looking forward to this Apple Cup this upcoming year because it's gonna be possibly one of the more uh interesting uh Apple Cups uh that's gonna be played in a while because um I remember the only one of the one of the only Apple Cups that I remember that it was very interesting, only because both teams came into the season or came into the game with without a win, unfortunately. And this was the year that the <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, I already know what you're talking about. Oh man, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't mean to bring up that painful memory uh, for you, but 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 yeah, I mean your thoughts on. You know about the the politics that play into the college rankings, and you know if if they want us to play tougher opponents, then why don't they give us tougher opponents to to start out the season? That's that's my biggest question. Why is it that they don't give us tough opponents at the start of the season? I'm not sure why they don't give us a tougher opponent. And it seems to everything to be based off rankings. I know everyone wants to go into their season with a with a couple gimme games and and see where the team stands before everyone becomes like acclimated with each other uh, as a whole. But yeah, they should give us games. They should give us non conference games with with other powerhouses to to make the playing field maybe even more more even uh, because it's the same teams year after year that that are the same rankings and sometimes those teams aren't really up to par. It's just going off a of, seems like a tradition or or like I said, the South the South is the South is a religion when it comes to football and, and they always have the power rankings and you know, they feel like 
they have the most uh the toughest schedule or the best teams but you know every every that's why every uh year a new team arises out of out of a different league that you know goes down down south or goes up to big ten and you know the demolishes those teams that had the high rankings in the beginning um but yes, I believe they should just uh switch it up a little bit do it, do do different uh non conference games uh not gimme games but more or less powerhouse games to establish real numbers in the beginning of the season of 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 who's the better team agreed man you preached in the choir um I, I, you know, getting off this uh, just as much, but I, I have to ask you, man. Did you have any like special special rituals that you that you did before a game while you played at UW? Was there a special meal that you always ate before a game? Oh no, no, I, I was, I was fine with what we what they gave us pre meal. It was so good. I forgot what it. Was. Yeah, we switched it up every time out there in Bellevue, but uh, I never had a. a a ritual. I, I would always just envision myself with the game plan and, and and what I accomplished that pretty much that whole week. The ritual is the ritual is envisioning what you're gonna do in the game the whole week of preparation. So you know when, when it's time, it, it's easy because practice is a, a hard part. You know, game is the easy part. So my ritual would just be uh, just to stay confident and trust the process each each game. That's how. I saw guys like, you know, Mace and me, Jermaine. It's not like we had a ritual of getting hyped. We were just already uh, focused in on um, what we wanted to do, especially, you know, since we were, you know, junior seniors and, and leading the team. Um, I, I never really listened to music because uh, Coach Ivan used to always interrupt the music, so I, I got away from the music. So really it was just a, it was a keen focus uh, uh, of the individual. Uh, I, so, coach always interrupted your music, huh, man? That ain't right. <laughs> yeah, they, I was. I, I would always be in there trying to listen to my music. Or it's hard to come up with a ritual when everyone's trying to talk to you or trying to see if you hype because they're not hype or they need some motivation and this that. So, however your ritual is going into the game, uh, it, it has to be a ritual of focus. Um, Really, all I all I used to do, I I just had a chain that my my grandmother gave me, you know, that was just my confidence right there. Uh, but I would have to say, me and Jermaine had a, a a ritual. We would always come out last out the tunnel. Always come out last, get each other hyped. Uh, we had our handshake going. Man, I don't remember that handshake though. It's, it's been a minute, but that was the ritual. We would always come out last after everybody because. We just wanted to close it all in uh, and get ready for the game. There you go. There you go, man. Um, I do want to ask you this. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to avoid this, but 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 I think it, but I think it's worth noting. But uh, with the NFL players taking a stance of what uh, the president has said, do you think that that should also go into college football as well? I mean, I know that. I mean, I know a lot of people don't agree with what the NFL players are doing. I mean, me personally, like I said, um, you know, I didn't, I don't really agree with them sitting or kneeling, but I do see it as this is it's their right to do that as Americans. But do you think that, you know, college players should do what the NFL players are doing right now in taking a stance in uh, for, for equality and unity in the United States? 
Um, I, I, I definitely, I'm all with, uh, what the athletes are doing in the NFL, uh, uh, taking a knee, standing regardless, uh, because it's their right. But yes, uh, as far as college, I, I think they shouldn't, uh, at the end of the day, I don't think politics should be brought into, into sports anyways. Um, but you have to, you have to realize like, uh, four or five years ago, um, we were in the locker rooms during the national anthem. They didn't make that a point, point of emphasis to the last two two years and surrounding, you know, uh, a lot of promotion with, you know, the national anthem and the 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 aspects around, uh, uh, like I said, promotion for the the armed reserves for for our country. It's just promotion and uh, people who aren't. Uh, Standing or kneeling and going with the process, it, it, it goes against the grain of, of what they're promoting. So it, they're making it a point of emphasis. And really, I feel like uh, it, it it didn't matter for a while um, to stand or, or, or whatnot for the National Anthem. We weren't even outside during the National Anthem. We were in the locker rooms preparing, doing the rituals that I was just speaking of. Uh so like I said, um, I don't like to bring the politics into into football. I don't think I I think the the, co- the college aspect they should just keep going with the flow and not 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 enter the politics. As far as the NFL, you know, them guys are grown um, and they have the right to do what they want to do. I just feel like all in all, the politics should be taken out of of sports and the national anthem and because they're making too much of an emphasis on it uh, when we should just play ball. Hey, you just preached in a choir, Devin. I, I appreciate you, you know, putting your words in for this. And you know what? I agree with you. You know, politics really should not be a part of sports because, I mean, I'll say this. When I go to a baseball game or whenever I go to a sporting event, you know, and I hear people talking about politics, you know what? I just want to, I just want to tell them, you know, hey, guess what? If you guys would like to talk politics, go outside the stadium because you're here at the ballpark, you're here at the stadium, you know, you're not here to talk about, you know, if you don't like the president or not or if you don't agree with him. You're here to come, you're here to come for, you know, two and a half hours, three hours, you know, to watch a sport that, you know, you love and I love and you're here to watch a team that you love and I love as well. And, you know, it, it's it's something that uh, – that us here at Seattle Sports, we, we've actually talked about this so much. Um, I'll give you a good example, Devin. Uh, we had, there was a couple weeks ago, um, somebody at Fenway po- uh, threw down a banner that said, resist the president. And, you know, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm like, first of all, security did a horrible job because, you know, th- th- they said that the security had to confiscate it. And, I, and I'm thinking in my head, why didn't they confiscate it at the beginning? But you are right. But you are right. I think politics should uh, not have a place in sports, and I appreciate your you giving your take on that, man. I really do. And uh, before we get you out of here, man, I want to uh, first of all, I want to say thank thank you so much for coming on the show to actually talk sports and talk Huskies with me, man. And you know, I'd love to I'd love to have you back on the show, uh, you know, again sometime if that would be all right with you. Yes, I would love to be back on. Um... Uh, it's a new change for me, uh, uh, talking more, raising awareness about what I do, but just the daily ins and outs of, uh, of, 
of all sports and uh, what I see from uh, my perspective or from the athlete's perspective because, you know, I, I did this for, you know, a long time and now I'm giving back and making sure, you know, these athletes and these kids understand, like, what's going on and uh, everything that entails with playing sports that they're going to come up against. So, yeah, I would love to come back and I appreciate you having me on here. Hey, no worries, man, no worries. And, uh, Again, thank you so much, Devin, for being on the show, man. And one more thing before you get out of here, man. Uh, I think a lot of us would love to know, what's your take on the Huskies and where do you see them ending up this year? Do you see them ending up back in the college playoffs and do you see them uh, ending up as national champions this year? I, I see I see them uh, entering the, the national playoffs. I won't, I won't go further than that because I'm just eager for them to get to the, the national playoffs. Uh, but right now, they look like they're on a on a good road, uh, and they got some leaders up there that's bringing momentum. So I I don't expect them not to not to get there. Uh, we'll talk national championship uh, times. We'll talk national championship talk when uh they get to the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you, man. Again, thank you so much for joining us, man. Again, we want I I, I hope to get you back on the show very soon again. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. All right, Devin Aguilar, everyone. Again, thank you so much for him and for being on the show. Uh, so, again, getting back on to uh, Seattle sports. Again, we got the Seahawks coming up tonight uh, with against the Colts. And like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, this is going to be something that we are a little – I think a lot of us Seahawks fans are a little anxious to see because, for one thing – uh, the Seahawks have not been the team that we have expected uh, that we have really expected, you know. You know, we uh, now we 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 have the Se- uh we have the Seahawks at a good favored. They are favored to win this game. So, uh but you know, we here you have a one and two team going in against another one and two team. And you know, the the loss against the Packers, I saw that coming. The win against the 49ers, I never thought that we would have so much difficulty against a very, very mediocre team like the 49ers. And, I'm not, and I say mediocre in, in a very uh, positive way because, I mean, I'm trying to be a little, a little bit professional here. But looking at the standings, hello, the Rams are in first place at 3-1. and one. The, the Los Angeles Rams, and I'm going to say this, I think the L.A. Rams, I think they're just going to make mincemeat out of us. If the Seahawks cannot improve offensive line-wise, and I, I, here's the thing, the, the, the defense is fine. The defense is fine. First of all, us only allowing 17 points to the Packers, that's fine. I didn't mind that. Us allowing only nine points to the to the 49ers, that's fine. Last week was a different story. If the defense had, um, if the defense had performed at the level that we expect them to perform, uh, that I don't think that happens. But uh, the big thing about last week is that the defense was exhausted. You know, you had, uh, I mean, almost every single play, or almost almost every five minutes, you saw the defense on the field, and. You know the offense; they're not they're, they're not helping. They weren't helping out us one bit. The offense did not help one bit. But it seemed like the Seahawks came alive in, I believe, the fourth quarter. You know they were they were 
doing everything that they could to, you know, keep keep us in the game. But unfortunately, you know, the defense just gave up a one too many touchdowns, and, you know, that was it. But uh, first of all, I mean, the Titans, the Titans, they do look good. They do look good, but um, not today, unfortunately. They got pounded by the Houston Texans 57-14. to I'm like, are you kidding me? 57 to 14, that's like a score in Madden. That's honestly like a score in Madden, for God's sakes. <laughs> um, the Jaguars, though, I'm going to say this. I, I, I wanted to bring this up because this is very interesting, but the Jaguars are looking very well to start the season off. They're 2 and 1, uh, currently tied with the New York Jets uh, in overtime with only 157 left to play. So they could tie. Um, but getting back onto the Seahawks, uh, the Seahawks just have had nothing going for them. Uh, defensive wise, they, defensive wise, again, there, there's nothing wrong with the defense. Last week, you're going to see it. You're going to, you're going to see the defense struggle, you know, maybe a couple times like that, but through three games, Russell Wilson has averaged 226 yards. So there's nothing wrong with the passing. Passing's there. Um, QB rating is just a little bit down from his normal. That's fine. But one thing that I think the Seahawks really are, I think Seahawks fans are really excited to look forward to is Chris Carson. Chris Carson, in my opinion, is your number one starter next year. And here's the bad part. Um, Chris Carson and Russell Wilson lead the the Seahawks in rushing. No other running back on this Seahawks team has more than 50, than 20 yards. Russell Wilson and Chris Carson are the only t- members of the Seahawks to have more than 75 yards on the ground. And you know what? I love this. I love seeing Russell run. I love seeing this. This is what I've been expecting. But to me, Russell Wilson, he has to stop holding on to the ball so long. Um, I'll give a good example. Jake Browning yesterday, I love what Jake Browning does. I love when he scrambles because when he scrambles, he, he eats up those yards. He eats them up. But, and that's something that I think Russell Wilson should do. Russell Wilson is one of those very special quarterbacks that can not only kill you with his arm, he can kill you with his legs. And, again, you know, if Russell Wilson, his offensive line is, is one of the worst. You know, people say that the Giants' offensive line is one of the worst in football, and the only thing I have to say to them is this. Have you seen the Seahawks' offensive line? Have you seen them? And, again, also, here's the thing. Jimmy Graham has 11 catches for 81 yards this year. That is the That right there is unacceptable. That is totally unacceptable because... Jimmy Graham is not supposed to be used or utilized in this manner. Jimmy Graham is supposed to be used as a big, as a as, as a as a big wide receiver, big wide receiver slash tight end type of guy. I mean, when you're in the red zone, throw the ball to him. That's what that's what Drew Brees did almost every single time he was in the red zone. Throw the ball to Jimmy Graham. We gotta get. We gotta feed Jimmy the ball more. 
You know, Jimmy Graham, he had a great game last week. He really did. And last week was his first game. Let's see. Uh, So, yeah, 10 reset. So, whoops. So, he had 11. He had seven catches for 72 yards. Longest was a 26-yard catch. Those are the type of games that I want to see more of. His first game, he had three catches for eight yards. Second game against the 49ers, one catch for one yard. In the first two games, he was targeted nine times total. Only tw- only twice was he targeted during the 49er game. But during, this, but during the Tennessee game, he was targeted 11 times. That has to happen more often. We have to have more of getting the ball to Jimmy Graham because – if we can, if we can actually utilize Jimmy Graham the way that we utilized him last year, you know we're going to be fine. This offense will be fine. But it's 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 come to and and the same goes for both Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin. He's fine. Doug Baldwin's had a, been been having a great 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 season so far. Too. Uh, Twenty catches for two hundred and uh, twelve yards and one touchdown. So nothing wrong with. Uh, Doug Baldwin. He had ten catches last last week for 105 yards for a touchdown. Um, so so there's nothing. So with Doug Baldwin, you know you're gonna you're gonna get the same type of uh, progression out of him, or same type of uh, you're gonna get that you're gonna get that day in and day out. Paul Richardson is the second leading rec- receiver on the Seahawks, and he he's actually leading the Seahawks in touchdowns. If you were to say to me that. D- that uh, Paul Richardson would lead the Seahawks in touchdowns after three games, I would have thought. I would have thought, eh, you're gonna, you're, you, if you're gonna make that type of bet, you need to go to Vegas more. <laughs> but you know, he had a great first game. He had four catches for 59 yards, and these last two games, uh, he's had one touchdown at least. He had a great 22 yard, 22 yard uh, reception the uh, the game against the Titans. Uh, we need another guy that we need to get more involved. Your your top three wide receivers, you have to get, you have to get him the ball more. I mean, with Tyler Lockett uh, during the game against the 49ers, he had six catches for 64 yards. We got to do more of that. We have to get these these wide receivers that we have. These are some special wide receivers. You know. I guarantee you, teams would kill to have Doug Baldwin, Paul Richardson, Tyler Lockett, and Jimmy Graham all on the field at once. Teams would kill to have those guys on there. You know? And Chris Carson, don't get me wrong. Chris Carson, what was this kid, undrafted? I think he was undrafted. Let me go ahead and look this up real quick. Um, no, he, he, he was the seventh. He was the last pick in the draft by the Seahawks. The, the the 249th pick was that is is that actually the, hang on a sec I need to, I need to look this I I can't quite remember of how many picks are in the NFL draft but if I'm not mistaken let me see this so um okay so let's see all right so let's see the 2000 NFL draft so, 253, 253 players are taken in the draft, and Chris Carson went, 
went four picks before the last pick in the draft. I'm going to say this. You know, you, you find some of the more special, special players when they come undrafted or when they come very late round like that. Do, do, do people realize just how special Chris Carson is? Now, here's the point of emphasis that I want to make with Chris Carson is he has to stay healthy. He needs to stay healthy. That is the big thing. Because that's been the problem with the Seahawks uh, running backs for the past couple of years. Our, our, our running backs have could, not, could not stay healthy. And Thomas Rawls, I'm going to say this. Thomas Rawls has five carries all season long for four yards. That's not good. That is not good at all. Now, I'll say this. Chris Carson had a little bit of trouble running the ball last week. He had 11 attempts for 34 yards. But the game against the 49ers, 20 carries for 93 yards, great job. But, you know, Chris Carson has also been utilized as well um, uh, receiving-wise. He's got four catches. Uh, he had a 10-yard catch in the first game, a 7-yard catch in the second game, and an 18-yard catch, uh, or 18-yard, 18 yards. Uh, in his second game, including a 10-yard touchdown for his first career touchdown. So Chris Carson, he's going to be a special, special guy. Again, Chris Carson, he was he didn't even he was drafted 249th. So he was the Seahawks' last pick, and he's just turned into a special, special player. But again, the the running back thing is just it just it really does throw up a sign of, of really uh, problematic because, again, you've got C.J. Prosize and Thomas Rawls, two really good running backs. I'm not going to say that they're not good running backs because Thomas Rawls and C.J. Prosize, when they've gotten their chances to play, look at what Prosize did in the game against the Patriots last year. I guarantee you this, if we don't have C.J. Prosize last year against the Patriots, I don't think we win that game. C.J. Prosites was amazing in that Patriot game. And Thomas Rawls, he has shown what he can do. Thomas Rawls has shown us what he can do. In his first season, he almost had 1,000 yards. Almost 1,000 yards in his first ever season. And, uh, oh, we got a caller. Uh, caller, uh, is, that, is that you still, Devin? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I thought you I thought you hung up on me. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. Oh, there you go. Well, well, I mean, while we still have you here, man, I mean, uh, the point of emphasis that I'm trying to make here is that the Seahawks' offense, uh, offense is it's it's got two problems. One, it's the running game, and you know you have guys like again C.J. Prozice and Thomas Rawls who are very injury prone. C.J. Prozice, he's not going to be starting this week. And Thomas Rawls, I don't know what his story is. And Eddie Lacy has just not really gotten things going as well as we thought. But Chris Carson is a real special guy. Again, you know what I said, the last pick in the draft for the Seahawks. And this guy and this guy runs like a number one starter. And so that's the number one – so that's the big problem. But the, the, the biggest problem for the Seahawks this year has been their offensive line, man, if you haven't seen it. But, I mean – I mean, what do the Seahawks have to do this week, th- tonight, 
you know, to get back, to get really back on the horse. Well, they just have to be more grounded. Uh, like you said, uh, more point of emphasis on the front line um, will bring confidence to the pass game, to the run game, and the whole offense as a whole. So they just have to scheme more uh, up front and uh, whatever uh, aspect that they need to fix and um, get that going in this game and, and continuing forward. And that will just bring more unity to the other positions and the style of play. Because uh, the running backs uh, – yeah, the running backs are have been prone to getting hurt, but all it takes is uh, one good game uh, to bring that momentum back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, big, looking at, looking here at the defense, uh, you know, the Seahawks, again, the Seahawks defense, there's nothing wrong with the Seahawks defense. This, 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 this team is unbelievable. Um, the Seahawks, though, they need, to, they need to cause some turnovers. That's the big thing. That's the big thing that this Seahawks defense was known for when they won the Super Bowl. When they won the Super Bowl, they had the most turnovers of any team that year. This year, they only have uh, two picks. They have not forced any fumbles. Their opponents have forced three fumbles, and they've recovered one. But one interception by the Seahawks was by Nazir Jones. And he's and he's my. I'm actually going to keep my eye on him tonight. I'm really going to keep my eye on Nazir Jones tonight because uh, the 24 yard interception off Aaron Rodgers. It should have been a pick six. And that's another thing that I kind of want to talk about on the right here on the show is the NFL's referees and the NFL's in 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 just the NFL really in general. Because first off, that uh, that game against the Packers. That should have been a touchdown. From Nazir Jones, you you just you basically took Nazir Jones's first pick six away from him because of Devonte Freeman, Devonte Adams. Who I, I'm I'm saying this. I'm praying that Devonte Adams is okay. He did tweet from uh, his house that he was okay after that really nasty hit by Trevathan, who. In my opinion, I think he should have been suspended more than two games because that that was one of the more nastiest hits I've ever seen in my life. But, again, you know, that penalty on Devontae Adams, I mean, you look at the replay, and Devontae Adams is grabbing Jeremy Lane's face mask, bringing him down. But but then, you know, the, the, the refs say, Jeremy Lane is ejected for throwing a punch. I I, I didn't see a punch. I did not see a punch, and that's the thing. That is something that I think a lot of people are also looking at. Is this? Is that it seems like it seems like the refs are really looking at us and saying that we need to not get the calls to go our way because there's been a lot of calls that the refs have. Made. Again, I hate blaming refs. That's the one thing I hate doing. I hate blaming the refs. But when you have when you have Blake, when when the Seahawks are called for a holding and yet you see at least ten holdings on the other team not being called, you know you have to you have to wonder and scratch your head. You have to wonder why is it that the Seahawks are only being called for these types of plays, but yet you know the, the other team is hardly getting called for it. I mean that's a, that's a big thing, and. 
you know, people people have come up to me and said that soccer refs are worst or the Pac-12 refs are the worst. I'm going to say this. I mean, it, it's it's a real contest between soccer, Pac-12, and the NFL refs because, you know, it's 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 tough. To, it's tough. To, I'm, I'll I'll go ahead and defend him a little bit. It is tough to make some calls. It really is. But with with the Seahawks getting called for holdings a lot, and you look at and you look you're looking at your screen. You see you, you see other teams holding. You see them grabbing the jerseys. You see them bringing them down. And you're like, where is our flag? Where is their flag for holding? And you know, Devin, you know, I'd, I'd like your t- I'd like your take on that. I mean, I because you've had to deal with the Pac-12 refs before, so you know what I'm talking about. You know, you have to deal with idiot refs and and you know idiotic calls. So I mean, I'd like your take on you know what I've just discussed. Uh, refs in general, I would just say uh, are controversial. Um, so you could blame them. Uh, or you could blame the actions of of the team or or whatever sport. Uh, just a lot of gray area, just because so many rules, so many rules is going into into these calls, and um, uh, they don't know which one to choose from. Uh, some are evident, some are evident, and you feel like it just went one way or the other. But I'm sure there was a game where it it it. it it went your way and not the other team's way. And, like, uh, it just goes back and forth. Uh, I can't really blame them um, unless the film unless the film states that they just made a bad call. But uh, the rules is what's uh, making all of this so controversial. And uh, uh, But the, the refs need to – I think they need to step it up a little, a little more. As far as uh, not the technical rules, but – just the after effects and the other penalties that they call um, going off the second actions of other people and not seeing the first uh, and looking back at the, at the film to make, make better corrections. Yeah, I, I agree with you big time on that one. It, it it's, it's a controversy no matter what. And uh, this just in uh, the Jets and Jaguars just went uh, final. So officially the Jets, the, the New York Jets have a better record than the Seahawks. Ugh, that, I've never thought I, I've never thought that I would ever hear myself say that for a long time. But <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, so so yeah, I mean, and looking at the Jets this year, you know, Jermaine Curse. Guess what? Your boy Jermaine Curse, Devin, is the leader wide is the lead. Uh, leading receiver with 14 catches for 165 yards and two touchdowns. You know what? I will say this. I, I'm, I'm so happy for Jermaine Curse that he is actually getting a chance to be a number one wide receiver. I think he really did deserve it because um, <clears throat> really he wasn't doing a lot here in Seattle, but, you know, it, 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 it all comes down to – it all comes down to you know you have you have to make a tough decision and this was a very tough. De- I think this was a real tough decision that you know uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider made. But you know really happy for Jermaine Curse and you know you, like I said, Devin, you've seen him you, you've seen him play at UW and you know he's made some of the more incredible and some of the best catches in Seahawks history. I know you've seen those highlights. Yes, yes. Uh... 
he, he did a lot for uh, uh, the Seahawks. You know, he had up and down, up and down years there, but for the most part, I I, just, I remember success. But him transitioning over to the Jets, he's he's being able to evolve more as a receiver. You know, not being in the same system uh, as the Seahawks and the new Jets, the new Jets concept and. Uh, being being one of the number one receivers, you know, it just builds more confidence. That's why I'm just uh, I'm proud of him for that transition, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what what else he got in the tank for this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he has making he actually has making that he can actually go a thousand yards this year. You know, if uh, the Jets can throw to him a little bit more, he's he's got he's got the he's got the ability to do it. And uh, getting on uh, to baseball right now, the Mariners are down one nothing in the final game of the season. And I know a lot of the listeners, you know, a lot of us are saying, you know, oh, thank God the season's over. But you know, some of us, especially especially with me as a diehard fan, I die a, I, every time this last game of the season comes up and we're not in the playoffs. I die a little bit. I really do because you know it's it, you know baseball to me is is basically a religion and it's it's very hard to 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 have to go through the rest of the baseball season including the playoffs and not have your team in that in that uh in those games it's 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 tough to see because you know you you always want your team to go to the playoffs and the Mariners did have a chance they had a real good chance but unfortunately due to uh I mean just just a ton of injuries this year. A ton of injuries have cost the Mariners. But really good positive notes to take away from this season is that, you know, Mitch Hanniger had a 5-for-5 five five game yesterday. I cannot wait for next year and to see what Mitch Hanniger does. If Mitch Hanniger can stay healthy, I think, that, I think that was the big loss for us is when we lost Mitch Hanniger, we lost a, re- we lost a huge, huge player in that caliber. Uh, he did have his struggles when he came back, but you know, as soon as he got it back, you know, he just, he he never looked back. Another thing that uh, another thing that I'm kind of looking forward to, I want to see if if Mike Zanino can keep up this stretch. You know, Mike Zanino, he's had a uh, he got the last day, the day off, so uh, I believe he finished his finished finished off his career. Uh, I honestly think. Uh, that his career uh, is uh, is going to take a good turn. Um, so you know he 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 had a gr- he had a great season this year, and uh, and I also want to thank again. I got to thank again Devin Aguilar for joining us, uh, and uh, you know always had always had a fun time talking with him, and you know. Let's uh, we uh, it's something again when baseball season is over with me when the Mariners season is over it's always it's always tough for me, really is tough for me and I know it's tough for Matt you know Matt I think Matt would love to be here to talk this, uh the Angels just now took a two nothing lead, in a very empty Angels stadium, and Shea Simmons is coming out of the ball game so, we are looking it is looking like that. Uh, that we might see one more loss uh, chalked up for the Mariners this year. James Pozzo's coming in. Um, Daniel Vogelbach is playing first base, and I don't know why. I really don't know why because 
I get that this is not a game that you are really interested in seeing or a game that you want to or you might not care about winning, but first of all, if you're going to play anybody at first place, first base, play Danny Valencia. For God's sakes. I mean, Daniel Vogelbach, really? Vogie is not so, Vogie is not someone I'm happy that is in a Mariners uniform. Not one bit. And you know what? Again, I'm. I think that we're gonna. You know, I, I think Vogelbach does not have a future with this team. He doesn't. And it's uh, it's something that I, I think. You know, some people. They, I know. I see a lot of people. Some people are happy that he that he was with this team. But you know, we need to give it up. He stinks. He cannot hit. And you know. It's it's just something that you know we have no unfortunately we have no control that we that we have Daniel Vogelbach unfortunately um, so that is going to do it for this episode of Seattle Sports Talk podcast I want to thank again Devin Aguilar for coming on the show so much and talking football with me talking Huskies football so we are so I will be back on the air next Sunday uh, at a later time since the Seahawks game is going to be at a later time, since the Seahawks is going to be on an earlier time. I only did the show at this time uh, because the Seahawks game is at 5. So, I am signing off saying, go Hawks. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.